All right, so you guys ready to go this morning? Some of you are, some of you are not. Should we do morning jumping jacks? Massages, neighbor massages, we could do that. We could do that. All right, everybody turn to the person on your right and give them a nice good massage on the shoulders. Give him a nice good massage. Just get get those thumbs in there. Come on, Jack. Get Lydia. Help her out. Help her out. Yeah. Yes, you're totally good. Alright, can we turn the favor? Go to the person on your left. I've already Make him feel welcome. Come on, Josh. Come here, Ricky. Come here, Ricky. All right. So you ready to roll now? We good now? Okay. Sure. She tells me no. I am not. Okay, so this morning, this morning, we are going to be starting our new series, and we're going to be calling it Doctrinal Studies. Uh, we're going to be doing the introduction this morning, just so that way you understand why we're doing this series and the importance of the series. But we're going to be covering lots of different things, and um, I wouldn't mind doing some different things if you guys are more interested in one thing over another, but I would like to take a look at like stuff like the Trinity. Um, I want to take a look at the spirit world and how does it work with angels and fallen angels and devils and all that stuff. I want to talk about some of that stuff. Um, I'd love to talk about end time stuff and talk about the Antichrist and what's coming ahead. Um, I'd love to talk about a little bit of church history if we get around to it. So I want to just cover a bunch of different stuff about uh, just some doctrinal type stuff. We've done a lot of lessons lately on some practical things, which is not bad. And we're going to keep Wednesday nights more practical. But I want to get into some of this stuff because, um, well, you'll see why. It's part of the lesson today. Um, doctrine matters big time. Um, if you don't care about doctrine, then my, mm, I guess what I would say is you probably don't care much about the character of God. You really don't care much about God if you don't care about doctrine. So um, if that's something that maybe you've never thought about before, um, you should care deeply, deeply about doctrine. And you'll see why as we kind of go through this this morning. So before we go any farther, let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we will start things off this morning. So let's see. Who would like to pray today? Peterman, go for it. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Live us forever, Lord. Just uh, thank you that we all get to meet here this morning. I just uh, pray that we all have the open hearts this morning, that we'd uh, use what we hear in our everyday lives. Lord, just uh, thank you for everything. Live us forever. Just um. Thank you for this Thanksgiving season. I just pray that we have a good time with our friends and family, Lord. Just thank you for everything in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, so we have our Thanksgiving service this Tuesday. And so we're not having Wednesday night service this week because of Thanksgiving, but we are having our Thanksgiving service on Tuesday, which should be pretty awesome. And we've got a couple of you guys who are going to be giving testimonies. Who else is giving a testimony? Well, no, it's one of them, as you can tell. <laughs> and then Hannah's doing it. Hannah Owens is going to be giving her testimony as well. So um, so come out. You'll be blessed by that. Yeah. Oh, yes. We do have one more announcement. And we, I can't believe I almost forgot it again. Thank you again. Um, so we have someone who accomplished something very fantastic, and that would be Mr. Reese Leach. So Mr. Reese Leach ended up finishing completely with your project, right? It's all done? No. I have to make work. Okay. Well, then we can't celebrate yet. 
you got to fill out the paperwork. Now, so he is finished with his whole Eagle Scout stuff that he's been doing, which has taken how many years? Six. Six years. Major commitment. So we want to congratulate Reese on doing such a good job and getting all that done. Big deal. Big deal. So that's huge, huge, huge. All right. So in honor of Reese, we all need to call like an eagle. That's Reese. That was more like a goat, wasn't it? <laughs> All right. Now we can actually go through our study this morning. I apologize for everyone that's going to be listening on the podcast. They're going to be like, what the heck is going on at First Baptist? All right. We celebrate people. Okay. All right. So <laughs> doctrinal studies. Let's kind of rein it back in a little bit. All right. So, uh, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 32. I got it on your study sheet, but I want you to see it in your Bible. Deuteronomy 32. Dude, you're on to me, verse 32. Chapter 32, in that verse. Deuteronomy. You'll never read the title of that book the same ever again. It's my favorite book, dude, you're on to me. Chapter 32. Sorry, I'm an idiot. All right, everybody's got the paper? Good. Deuteronomy, verse 1 of chapter 32. This is the first mention of the word doctrine in your Bible. One of the things you guys need to, to get down are a couple rules of Bible study, which we do a series on, on the uh, how to study the Bible. But one of the rules of Bible study is the law of first mention. What is that? Yes. The first time something's mentioned in the Bible, and then let's finish that definition. Let's carry it out. Yep. Uh, the first time something is mentioned, it defines how that is going to be used the rest of the Bible. It sets up how that word is used. Yes. Like 98% of the time, the first time you see a certain word in the Bible, God defines it within that context, and then he uses that same theme throughout the Bible. It's called the consistency of God. It's a very, very important rule of Bible study. So this is the first time that the word doctrine is used in your Bible. Verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. So the first thing that we need to take a look at is what is doctrine? What is doctrine? So we'll get to this passage in a minute, but if you look up in Webster's 1828, it says this, and this is on your guys' study sheet, in a general sense, whatever is taught, hence a principle or position in any science, whatever is laid down as true by an instructor or master. So when someone teaches you as an instructor or a master or a teacher, like every day you're at school, you're learning doctrine. It may not be biblical doctrine. It may be the doctrine of devils. But you're learning doctrine when you go to school, just to let you know. Um, so whatever's taught, that is doctrine, okay? So the first mention, we just read that in Deuteronomy 32. Now what's interesting about this is that when you see doctrine in, in verse 2, so doctrine is spoken according to verse 1. Hear the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. So it's correlated to rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. So the dew in the morning upon the grass. And as the small rain upon the tender herb. And as the showers upon the grass. Now what good is rain or dew upon vegetation? It helps it grow. It helps it grow. If you have no rain, what do you have? 
death or desert. Desert. There's nothing. There's no growth. So you need rain. So doctrine is correlated to water that helps to give life to something. Okay? You see that there? All right, look at verse 3. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. So doctrine, biblical doctrine, is correlated to God's name. That's important. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. So there's two things that we see in these three verses. Number one, the biblical doctrine will always produce real lasting growth. And number two, that it speaks all about God. It uplifts God's name. It tells about who God is. And it tells how great God is. So just from the first mention, you see those two things. So that is a pattern that you see throughout scripture. Whenever you see biblical doctrine, you will notice that it will produce growth that remains and it will always boast about God, always, all right? So it's very important. So if you don't care about doctrine, then you don't care about those two things. If you don't care about doctrine, you don't really care about growing in your life spiritually, by the way. And that's probably one of the problems that some of you guys have with growth at times in your life because you don't care about doctrine. You don't care about what God has to say. You don't care about God's teaching, so you can never grow. And number two, you'll never be able to boast about God because you don't know anything about him because you don't care. So that's a huge problem. So you should care about doctrine. Maybe you should care more about doctrine than what you actually do at this moment. So based on that, therefore, based on the Webster's 1828, the first mention in Deuteronomy 32, biblical definition of doctrine is knowledge or a system or set of beliefs given by God. So it's basically God's knowledge given to you to understand. It is your set of truth for you to understand about God, about life, about everything. All right, pretty simple. Makes sense? All right, so when we use the term doctrine, it's nothing huge, it's nothing fancy. All this is God's teachings about stuff. That's all it is. And you should care about that kind of stuff. So I want you to see this. This is pretty interesting. So uh, I, instead of looking up all these verses, well, actually, we, we actually do want to look up all these verses, but I want you to see this. All right, so I'm going to divide these up a little bit. Um, someone take Matthew 16, 12. All right, take that one. Noah, take Mark 1, 22. Mark 11, 18. You got that one. Um, Mark 12, 38 through 40. Reese. Um, John 7, 16 through 17. You got that one. Sam, go ahead and take Revelation 1. And then everybody else, we're going to look up these ones. So let's start off with Acts 2. All right? So... Everyone turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I want you to listen carefully to these words as we go through them. And there's a theme with each of these verses that I put up on the screen. Okay. All right, everybody, Acts 2. Acts 2, 42. All right, good. All right, listen to Matthew 16, 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Okay, so there we see there is a doctrine of men. Matthew 16, 12, Jesus warns his disciples that there is a doctrine of the Sadducees and Pharisees. Got it? Okay, listen to Mark 1, 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as Okay, so when Jesus taught, he did not teach as the scribes. He taught something different, and they knew that his doctrine was different. So there is a doctrine of men, and there is a doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very important. They're two very different. They may sound similar, but they're very, very different. All right, listen to Mark eleven eighteen. 18. And the scribes and chief priests heard it, and they sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because of all 
Okay, so based on that, Sadducees, Pharisees, they heard Jesus' doctrine, they heard how people received it, and they wanted to kill him. So obviously their doctrine is not the same. If their doctrine was the same, there'd be no problems. Which is why a lot of people may not like you, by the way, because of what you believe. This happens all the time, all the time. So the doctrine of men will try to destroy the doctrine of Christ. Happens all the time throughout human history, nothing new. And I'm sorry, you're in the camp where you have the truth, and so people are going to try to destroy you. So if you can't take that, then maybe you shouldn't hang around here. Because that's what happens. To disciple of Jesus Christ, that's what happens. Your life is threatened. Your life is threatened. All right, listen to Mark 12, 30 through 40. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutation in the marketplaces. And the chief sit seats in the synagogues and the upper in the uppermost rooms at the feet at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for the pre pretense of making long prayers, they shall receive greater damnation. Okay, so Jesus said in his doctrine, beware of them. So part of Jesus' teaching was look out for those guys. They're not teaching you the right stuff. So a lot of people may not like that, but we do that here because we care about you. Why wouldn't we tell you beware of those churches and those beliefs and those false teachings? We would do that. We should do that. Jesus did it. He said, beware. Get, get away from those guys. They're teaching false doctrine. So if Jesus did it, we should be doing it too. All right. So Christ warns us of the doctrine of men. John seven sixteen and 17. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Okay, so did Jesus speak of himself based on that verse? Read it again. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So did Jesus speak of himself? No. What did he speak? God's doctrine. He even said at the very end, if you do the will of God, you'll know whether I'm speaking of myself or I'm actually telling you what God says. Now, is Jesus God? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Okay, so Jesus is God, but he's like, but the doctrine's not mine. Wait a minute. I thought you were God. Oh, I am, but I'm speaking for him. Do you know why he did that? Because that's your responsibility. You're not supposed to speak your own words or your own beliefs or your own ideas. You're supposed to speak God's doctrine because that's what you believe. It's not like, I mean, you can say, yeah, I believe this and this is what I believe. But it's more like when you're telling somebody, this is what God says. This is God's truth. This isn't something that's just mine or something that I made up. No, this is what God has said. Very, very important. That's exactly what Jesus did. He had every right to speak on his own authority, but he didn't do it. So I thought that was interesting. So the doctrine of Christ came from God, not men. All right, so this leads us to this point. Now, I wanted you to see these verses for yourself. So Acts 2.42, look at this. All right, <clears throat> and they, these are believers, Christians at this point in time. They didn't know they were Christians yet because that didn't exist until later, as far as the term goes, but they're born again. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. What is the apostles' doctrine? Who did the apostles follow? Come on. I know it's Sunday morning. Let's get some answers. The apostles followed? Jesus. Jesus followed? 
God. So God's doctrine became Jesus's, then he communicated it out, and then his doctrine became the apostles, and now the apostles have a doctrine that came from God, and they continued steadfastly in it. Okay? All right, very important. Let's look at the next verse. Let's go to Acts 5, 28. Acts 5, 28. All right, so two of the apostles get in trouble for teaching about Jesus Christ. And in verse 28, you have the religious leaders, and they threaten them, and they say this, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So all they did was take those teachings given by God, Jesus communicated them, they received them, they became their doctrine, and then they filled that doctrine, which is really God's doctrine, they filled Jerusalem with it. That's what you're supposed to do with doctrine. You're supposed to get it out there so people can actually believe it and they can receive it for themselves. Let's look at the next verse. John eight twenty eight. Go back to John. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John 8, 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, there it is, there's the doctrine, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So let me ask you, just as a pause for a second, the things that you learn in here on Sunday mornings, the things that you learn on Wednesday nights, the things that you learn in discipleship, do you take them out there and start talking about them with other people? That's the point of this whole thing. Like we don't come to church just to learn new information. We come to church to actually do something about it. Jesus said, as my father hath taught me, I speak these things. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. So if that's what Jesus does, that's what we do. Just think about over this past week, how many opportunities did you just blow by? Because you might have been too afraid. Or you might have thought that you may not have had the right answers. Or whatever. Okay, come on, just think about this. Think about this and be convicted. And let that conviction settle in your heart so you actually start to do something about it. Too many times we go, we, we grow so accustomed to, to hearing God's voice and getting convicted and just excusing it away. Mm-mm, we cannot do that. Jesus didn't do that. We don't do that. People's lives are on the line. Their souls are on the line. If Christ did that, people, we'd be going to hell. We would be going to hell. But we're not now because of what he did. So we need to think about that. This is not me trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just showing you the truth, and I want the truth just to settle in your hearts. I'm not saying that you should behave like anybody else other than Jesus. That's who you should follow. Don't follow another person. Look what he did and just do what he did. How does that work out in your life? Just do it. Just do it. I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. All right, let's look at the next verse. John 14. John 14. John 14 and verse 10. 
Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. See, that's what Jesus did. That needs to become the pattern of our life. Look at verse 24 of the same chapter. Now look at this one. Here it is. This one's a tough one. Are we going to believe the Bible or not? Verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So do you love Jesus? Do you tell people you love Jesus? Do you tell people that you love God? If you do, you will keep his sayings. So we just need to let these things settle in our hearts because I would bet that there's some things that we need to change like immediately. All right. And then lastly, Revelation 1.1. Listen to this one. The, re- <clears throat> the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Okay. I love this verse for just one simple purpose for, in this topic. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show unto who? Read it one more time. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servants, John. Okay. So who did it start with? God gave it unto Jesus. God. All right. So it started with God, and then he gave it. It's the revelation of Jesus. For what purpose? To give to his servants. To show us the things that must shortly come to pass. So this is this is the process. It starts with God. It was in God's heart to give you knowledge. To give you understanding. So then he sent Jesus. Which by the way, Hebrews 1 talks about that. That he's the, he's the, the, the fullness of all prophecy, of all wisdom. I mean, just Jesus himself. He's the spirit of prophecy even out of Revelation. So God gave us Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in order to give us understanding and wisdom. And then that's supposed to be communicated to his servants so we can understand. Okay? So the things that we teach here, this is why it's so important that you go to a church that teaches sound doctrine. Not the teachings of men, but the teachings of the Bible. Who gives a rip what I have to say in my opinions? It doesn't matter. You're not supposed to follow me. You're supposed to follow Christ. And so it's my responsibility to teach you what God has said, to reveal unto you Christ so that you can understand the knowledge that God gave unto us. That's my responsibility. So no matter where you go, no matter how old you get, you better get your butt into a church that teaches the Bible. And I mean that with all my heart and with much compassion. (laughs) You better do it because otherwise, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? You're going to get lies. You're going to get half-truths. You're going to get things that make you feel good but isn't actually true to begin with. You need to be in a place where God's word is spoken. There are very few churches out there anymore that are willing to put God's word out there for everyone. They care more about numbers. They care more about marketing. They care more about money than they do actually doing the work that God has called them to do. And shame on them. And shame on us if we ever turn into that. So we need to be careful. Doctrine matters. So why does doctrine matter? All right, so with this section, we've got a lot of verses. There's eight here, so I put them all up on the screen. So we're going to go on the screen, and I'm just going to run through these rather quickly for you to understand why doctrine matters. But you would do well to really chew on some of these things throughout the week, okay? 
So why does doctrine matter? When I did a study of the word doctrine, I pulled out these eight things. And there are many, many verses that we're not going to necessarily look at. We're only going to pick only a, a few that really highlight the whole point. So first of all, doctrine allows us to know God. All right, Philippians 3, 8 and verse 10. Yea, doubtless, Paul said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. All things, look at this, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge. Would you be willing to throw everything away in your life just to know about God? Or is there something else that's competing for your attention for the knowledge of God? I mean, we can even apply that practically of the Bible. Is this the most valuable possession that you own? Or is it your phone? Or is it your tablet? Or is it your car? Or is it your reputation? What is the most valuable thing that you own? It should be your Bible. Because without your Bible, you would have no idea who Christ is. If you had no idea who Christ was, you would be going to hell. God gave you this so you could know him. This should be the most valuable possession that you own. That's what Paul said. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. And his passion in his life is verse 10, that I may know him. I just want to know him. Is that your passion? Sound doctrine allows you to know God. Number two, it determines our daily decisions. Job 42, this is what Job said. I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. I've heard about you, and I've heard the information, but now I understand. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Because of actually understanding God's revelation, God's word, God's doctrine, the result is he now sees himself as disgusting and unholy and unrighteous in the sight of God, which he should have been to begin with. But he wasn't able to see that until he understood God's doctrine. And now his reaction, I repent in dust and ashes. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How can you believe that if you don't know who God is? If God leads me to a situation where my life is taken, I will still trust him. You can only believe that if you know who God is. And your doctrine will determine your daily decisions. If you don't believe this, then you'll never live for him. Ever. Ever. Number three, we're commanded to teach it. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 1 Timothy 4, 13. Till I come, he's saying this to Timothy, Paul, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Very important. Very important. Number four, it reveals heresy and heretics. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Well, that doesn't sound loving. Okay, the whole point here is that people with false doctrine try to come in and tear apart churches. And they're trying to infiltrate and teach people lies. If people are doing that, it's better for you just to not to be around them. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. From such withdraw thyself. So when you learn God's doctrine, it will, it will reveal heresy and heretics. 
So if you don't know doctrine, then you're going to get duped. If you don't know God's doctrine, you're going to walk into a place or have a conversation with somebody and they're going to convince you of something that is totally unbiblical and you're just going to go along with it. But if you know the truth, that won't happen to you. If you know sound doctrine, that will never happen to you. And especially you guys, that one day God is going to give the responsibility of having a family and kids. And it's your responsibility to be the gatekeeper in your family. You better know doctrine. Because there's going to be a ton of things that are going to come your way to assault your wife and your kids. And their souls are going to be on the line. You better know biblical doctrine. If you don't, it's your fault. And you're going to have to give an account for that to the Lord. You need to learn how to protect your family. Number five, it keeps us stable and grounded. Sound doctrine keeps us stable and grounded. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, it was funny, just even yesterday, it was just funny. Uh, we went to this one place, we go down to, to a place in Canton and we fill up water jugs. So Lucas is with me, right? So Lucas is with me, and we got these big, like, five-gallon ones. And so, like, he's like, yep, yeah, I'm going to help you, Dad. I'm going to help you. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we get over there, and he puts the empty one up there. No problem. I'm like, starting to fill up. So when it fills up, just take it and push it aside. He's like, all right, I got this. He's like, ready. And so it fills up, and he pushes it aside. I'm like, all right, good job. Now here's the cap. Put it on. So he puts it on. I'm like, all right, now pick it up. And let's go. And he's like, hmm. And he can't do it. I'm like, come on. He can't do it. And he feels bad. And he's ashamed because he's in front of another lady. <laughs> and so I'm like, don't worry about it. I got it. And so then I pick it up. No problem. Why do I have no problem picking up the jug? Because I'd be bigger. <laughs> and I got muscles. And so he will get muscles one day where he'll be able to do some of those things, but he doesn't have them yet. Right? Okay. Biblical doctrine gives you strength. It gives you maturity so you can grow up and actually have spiritual muscles that you can handle yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be a victim to whoever comes your way. Very important. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, first of all, what is it? Doctrine. 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 The first thing you learn from the Bible is doctrine. There's so many stinking, wimpy Christians out there that don't care about doctrine. And God said it's the first thing. It's the first thing. Not necessarily reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Yeah, that's important. Those are come next. But it's profitable for doctrine first. Because if you don't have doctrine, you can't have reproof. If you don't have doctrine, you can't be corrected. If you don't have doctrine, you can't be instructed in righteousness. Doctrine must be first. It's our standard. If you don't have a set system of truth, then you have nothing to guide you. Imagine being on a ship and you have a compass... But you have, you have no way to know what's north. How would you be able to do that? I mean, even back in the day when they didn't have compasses, what did they use? The stars. So what if it was cloudy? That way. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> See, that is. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Because so many Christians are on their ships without a compass, and their clouds, the, the, the skies are cloudy. That's what they do. They have no way to go to know what's north. So it keeps us stable and grounded. And then number six, the redemption of souls depend on it. First Timothy 4.16, take heed unto thyself and unto the 
doctrine. Take heed unto thyself and to thee doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Doctrine matters. Titus 1.9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. So the redemption of souls depends upon sound doctrine. God's name and reputation depend on it. 1 Timothy 6.1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. What? That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Do you see that? The name of God and his doctrine. They go hand in hand. So you are supposed to do what you're supposed to do and have a good testimony that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. That's important. Revelation 19.13 And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Jesus' name is called the Word of God. And then number eight, the future of the church and the work of the Lord depend on it. Titus 2, 1 and 7 But I speak, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. See, people see your doctrine. They see it. Speak those who sound okay. But in doctrine showing, in doctrine showing, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine. You see that? Your doctrine is not just what you say you believe, but it's actually what you live. It's what you show other people. What kind of doctrine are you communicating to people by your life? By your decisions? By your attitudes? Very important. Very important. Second Timothy 2 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. If you don't care about sound doctrine, then that's the kind of disciple you're going to make. And then that's the future of the church. And my kids are the future of the church. And so my kids' futures depend upon you as much as it does me. So I want you to have sound doctrine. I want you to believe sound doctrine. I want you to pass on sound doctrine. Because the future of this church and every other church that started from here depends on it. It really matters. I found this, uh, this is an old, old comic. So back in the day, they used to have these. Um, here you've got undermining our national foundation. So you have the home, the church, the school, civilization. But you have the foundation of the Bible. And people are trying to do whatever they can to get rid of it. And there's a verse... I think it's in Proverbs where it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do is what it actually says. But here they apply it to the nation. What will the nation do? You take away the Bible from people, you take away sound doctrine, you destroy our, in the entirety of civilizations. That's why Rome fell, by the way. In a school, in choosing a school, look to the foundation. I thought that was interesting. If a foundation be destroyed, what can righteous do? That was Psalm 11.3. That's what it is. So here, I thought this was interesting. Same thing. You've got the doctrines of the Bible, and then you have the different educational institution topics, right? They go hand in hand, by the way. They do. You know, we live in a society where they think these things don't matter, and then they'll teach you all this stuff. That's where you have evolution, modernism, superficial science, atheism, agnosticism, and then all this other stuff. But these things actually give you so much wisdom into these things, it's ridiculous. It really does. You may not believe it, but you should, because it's true. So your doctrine, as you take a look at this, your biblical doctrine, and this is the chart that's on the uh, back side, <coughs> you need to have proper, proper doctrine. Proper doctrine. 
And we don't have time to look at this, but if you look at Matthew 7, maybe we'll start with this uh, next Sunday. But Matthew 7 um, is a great chapter that really gives this whole principle. But the Word of God is your source of true doctrine. That's the next point that we're going to get at. But then you start to learn about the doctrine of God and of Jesus and the Holy Ghost and how those things all fit together. And then all the other parts and pieces of life all just fit really nicely together. Um, this is something that I had from, from years ago. In fact, Jamie had mentioned this, so I thought I'd pull it and just incorporate it into the stuff that we're doing. But um, if you want to experience real, true growth in your life, then it has to be done through sound doctrine. Going back to Deuteronomy 32, biblical doctrine will always produce lasting, real growth, and it'll always boast about who God is. So this is very, very important. So if you want to have a good structure, a sound structure in your life, being like good, proper decisions, you need to have sound doctrine. So what is the source? What's the source? Um, we're only going to take a look at a few of these because we only have time to look at a few of them. Um, so we've already spent time on this verse, but let's go ahead and turn there. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3 is probably one of the best ones. 2 Timothy 3. All right, 2 Timothy 3. <clears throat> Verse 16 and 17. Let's all read it together. Ready? Here we go. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So all Scripture... All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for those four things. I've gone through these four things before, but doctrine tells you what is right. Tells you what's right. Reproof tells you what is wrong. Correction tells you how to fix what's wrong. And instruction in righteousness is how to keep things fixed. And what's the purpose? Verse 17. That you might be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If that's what you want, then you need the Scriptures. You need sound doctrine. It's the only way it's going to work. It's the only way it's going to work. All right, you're going to have to look up some of these other verses later. Proverbs 6, 23 is a good one. Revelation 19, 10. Uh, Luke 22, or 24, 44, and 27. Those are really, 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 really good ones. Look up all of those ones um, at a later point in time. But the Bible is the source of true doctrine. And so here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. Why does this matter? I think I skipped something. Didn't I skip something? Yeah, I did. I, I skipped that paragraph before. What is the source of true doctrine? Let's read that paragraph, and then we'll get to the other one. All right. So the question should not be, why does doctrine matter, but why should doctrine not matter? True biblical doctrine is the direct result of God's existence, God's decision to create, that's general revelation, and God's choice to communicate to his creation, that's special revelation. If one has an apathetic regard for biblical sound doctrine, then it is because one is apathetic towards God and has no regard for their creator. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3.18 God and biblical doctrine cannot be separated. There is no room for compromise. That speaks for itself right there. All right, so the authoritative source for true doctrine must be the word of God, similar to interpersonal relationships which you just went through god is known by his words and his works and the bible is the record of god's words and works just as god 
Just as God and biblical doctrine cannot be separated, so God and his word cannot be separated. This is one great reason why God's word must be preserved. It is our only source for truth, and we ought to be able to trust every single word. And here's the bottom line. Now more than ever, it seems as if truth is relative. Right and wrong, truth and error are no longer black and white. Everything is gray. Our Laodicean age, and especially mainstream Christianity, seems to be declaring that anyone can believe anything they want to believe as long as you do not offend anyone else by exclaiming exclusivity. What does that mean? If you claim exclusivity, what does that mean? Yeah. Yes. People are, how dare you? All right, okay, hold on a second. Remember, my doctrine is not mine. It's his that sent me. See, God claimed exclusivity. And he has every right to do so. He claimed, he's the one. Because look at these verses. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the, the way, the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That sounds pretty exclusive to me. Like, you can't get to God except for Jesus, right? That's the only way this is going to actually work out. So if you have a problem with me being exclusive, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with God. Because God's the one that set this whole thing up. That's what he said. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only, only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sounds like there's only one road. That's it. Acts four twelve. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Sounds pretty exclusive. Ephesians 2.18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Man, you guys are exclusive. Yeah, we are. 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Okay. So people might be ticked about that kind of stuff, but frankly, it doesn't matter because it's what the Bible says. That's what God said. It's not what I said. It's what he said, and I believe what he says. So if people are going to be ticked at me about that, then fine, whatever. So what choice will we make on about doctrine? What choice will we make? Should be not on. What, what choice will we make about doctrine? Will we side with the Lord or with something else? There's a lot at stake, so don't underestimate the importance of your choice. So I'm excited about this study. There's going to be a lot of things we're going to get into. And I would love to be able to even answer some of the questions you guys have about doctrine. Because once we get into some of this stuff, it can really cause a lot of questions. And so I want to encourage that. Um, it's something that's always fascinated me ever since I was a kid. I remember one of the first books that I had was a uh, systematic theology book kind of written more for teenagers and kids. And I would go in there because it would say, well, what about this or what about that? And it really caused me to think about, well, what do I actually believe about that? And what does the Bible say? So I'm excited to get into some of this stuff. All right. Any questions before we close? Okay. You sure? Now's your chance. What did I miss? What is All right. Go back to point number one. All right. <laughs> no. What is I had a meeting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Nothing? Okay. All right. This is going to be one of the more important studies that we have in, our, in, our, in the senior high, so I hope you guys get something out of it. All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and what it teaches us and how it guides us and gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. I pray, God, that we would really, really care about doctrine. Um, there's a lot of people that just don't. They don't care about doctrine. They don't care about 
uh, taking a stand on certain positions of the Bible and and my goodness, you did. You took a stand for us and you gave us the revealed truth of Scripture. So we should care very, very much about this. It's because of your doctrine that we're born again. It's because of your doctrine that we can have hope and peace in this world. It's because of your doctrine that we can be settled about the future. It's because of your doctrine that we can have hope in our death. It's because of your doctrine we can stand firm in a world that is just getting crazier and crazier every day. So I pray that this would really matter to us. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.